Yo, 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 Crossing Broadcast, what is up? Hey, ooh, I heard a laugh, I got one of them. Russell Joy and Kyle Scott, my name's Adam Lefko, and guess what, guys? Whose audio sounds good? My audio. What's up? Uh, Friday edition of the podcast, but before we get going, before the other two even say a word, we are going to have a moment of silence for every body part of Joel Embiid. Welcome. Okay, that's what we're going to do from now on. Fellas, how are you? Uh, congratulations, Russ. The iPhone 8 comes out today. Yay! Let's talk about a product that nobody wants to buy. No, And I mean nobody. Not even the Kyle Scott fanboys of the world want to buy the 8 with the, the 10 just over the horizon. Like, Russ. Not, there is no worse feeling than buying a new iPhone and then having another one come out in what, Kyle? A month and a half? Two months? Uh, All right. Kyle, defend your honor. Yeah, two things. Uh, first of all, turn your audio up. You have up. to have honor first. Turn your audio up on your Android-powered device. and I'm actually uh, recording this on a MacBook Pro. Are you really? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I like <laughs> Apple. I don't like the iPhone. This Either is... way, turn your audio up. Uh, okay. you Guys, I'm, I'm just over and... here on my gateway. <laughs> no, you're not. Stop. Are you no, really? I'm not. Oh, Stop. man. For a while, they awesome. still made them, and they were actually pretty oh. like decent computers. Number two, Russ, no one is... No what one was number one. I didn't even hear number one. Number one was turn your audio up. Maybe that's why you didn't hear it. Okay. <laughs> and number two, no one is buying the iPhone eight and then turning around and buying the ten. The reason the reason they did this that's, is because they having my guess is Apple would like to sell ten exclusively, but they have the new OLED screen. It has a new form factor. I recently read a book all about. Um, the manufacturing of the iPhone, like literally down to like the author so, went to like... Sounds like a hoot. It was awesome. The author went to like the salt mines where they get the, the like lithium for the batteries and like it was really well done. Like for, forget about whether you like Apple or not. It was all about like the scale it takes to manufacture a product as large as the iPhone, which is literally the most popular product in the history of the planet. And so for, for Apple to just on day one, crank out 70 million iPhone Xs is, is, is not feasible. The 8 is generally a form factor they've been using now for about four or five years, so it's much easier to produce. So I suspect that the reason the 8 was launched alongside the 10 is they can't make enough 10s, so we're going to release the 8, which is a pretty substantial update in and of itself, and then give it a, give it a month of sales to take some of the pressure off the 10, and then we'll start selling the 10. Also, I think they're not ready to sell the 10. Apparently, Samsung, Samsung ironically, is uh, is providing all of the OLED displays for the iPhone 10. And, ding, 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 um, ding, the, ding, 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 ding. Yes, to Apple's specifications. Um, and the problem is they can't get enough of them or the yield isn't high enough. Like, there's too many, there's too much margin of error. So, um Samsung is not able to provide enough quantity and quality of OLED screens for the iPhone 10. Go figure. Uh, this sounds like I'm just not going to update my phone for the next year and a half because that's what Apple just ruins all of my stuff and then makes me buy a new phone. I don't want to get involved in any of that. That sounds really complicated. Excuse me. I'll just use my Lenovo computer. <laughs> it's just, you know, like, Listen, the the old idea, volume. and this is this is a this is a what? This is a volume. sport. My volume is up. What do you want? I don't um, know you just sound like. The, I'm sorry. The the I guess here's my biggest takeaway, right? Like the the standard criticism of of smartphones, pick Apple, pick Samsung, pick whatever you want, is that as soon as you buy a new phone, there's another one coming out. Apple to to within consecutive months release the eight and then the ten or the X or whatever it's called. Russ, is, but they tell they're just, telling you just, that up front. They're not like, hey, here's a new phone. Oh, and then a month later, oh shit, now I don't have the new one. Like they told you they re announced them five minutes apart. Like you're not expected to get the eight and then upgrade to the ten. They're like, hey, we have this phone. Oh, this year we're we're coming out also with a more expensive phone. They're not like trying to pull one over on you. They were pretty no, upfront about that. I'm just saying, like, look, if if you got really hyped about the eight and then you put in your pre order for the eight, I don't know. Can you cancel a pre order? Well, they why would you, you put in a pre order for the eight if you? Knew I the don't 10 know, was Kyle. I don't know. People You're creating situations that aren't realistic. <laughs> I'm like Marcus Hayes. I saw a dad and a son out on the highway. 
and they were talking about their iPhone 8 pre-order, and they were camped out, and they are very upset about the iPhone 10. God, your 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 lack of logic in that, that is, really is mind blowing. Hey, so that didn't make any sense to me. But you know what else didn't make sense to me? Believe me, it didn't make sense what, to anyone. What the Sixers said about Joel Embiid, and before we get to the Eagles and all that stuff, um, I've noticed the phrase "word salads" becoming really popular. Uh, mm. Keith Pompey used it. Few other people have used it. Word in which salads. the Sixers word, described. Word on Sixers. <laughs> in which the Sixers described. How Embiid? What what is the phrasing on on what they said about him? Uh, I'm actually I'm pulling it up now, and I'm going to encourage that Russ does it exclusively in his Keith Pompey voice. Um, I need the link. I'll I'll read it just as is. It's the so, doctors on, have and, him on a conservative uh, man, path. man, see, I I wanted to kind of access it, but I apparently have met my monthly limit on Philly.com. Well, if I just drop the quotes in Slack here, we can circumvent yeah, that here. rather I easily. Just, I just put it in That'd there. That'd be fantastic. This is good. This is a this is good pod right here. All right, can I read it as Keith Pompey? Is that all right? Yes. Please, loudly. By the way, Keith, I think you're cool. I think Keith is lovely. I think he's a fantastic person. No, you don't. Person. You're gonna make fun of him. Do it. The doctors have him on a conservative path that will hopefully put him in a planned progression to have sustainable on-court success. And that was that, that was, is like can I just say this is like this quote is just so dumb on so many levels. This is like uh, I don't know. This is using uh, you're going back to grad school, and so you decide that you're gonna just kind of circle no cute your way around, not having a specific word or or wanting to get to the point directly. You're just using misdirection in in your quote. He's on a conservative path. That will hopefully put him in a planned progression to have sustainable on-court success. Why don't you just say that you don't want to clear the guy yet? Just say it, and it's fine. It's alarming, but it's fine. It's not fine. He's. No, I'm just saying, like, look, if he's okay, and they're saying, look, we don't want to clear him for five-on-five yet because we've always taken a conservative approach with Joel, then, then fine. Like, it's weird, it's stupid logic, but okay. But when you're saying to hopefully be in a planned progression, that is not okay. Because then it really does sound like something is wrong. And what's going to happen is Scott O'Neill and those guys are very likely going to get upset with a narrative that goes around about this team and say that it's unfair. When you say this exact kind of quote and you mention hopeful planned progression, it sounds like he rebroke the navicular bone, which he didn't. We are pretty positive that that did not happen. But like, I'm not ruling sounds, anything out. It sounds, it sounds a lot worse. And all they would have to say is, "Look, the meniscus surgery took a little bit longer for him to come back from. We're the Sixers medical staff, and meniscus tears are our Achilles heel, and that would be fine." But man, they're they just they can't get out of their own way. The only good thing is that they now have Barcelona's doctor, seeing like overseeing all of their medical staff. So like maybe. Maybe, if nothing else, anytime Joel gets hurt, he'll flop on the ground and hold his ankle. The good, yeah, well, so, yeah, this is the doctor who oversaw Lionel Messi, who has some sort of, like, condition where he has to take HGH, right? Like, like is medically cleared to take HGH. We, I don't, well, a lot Kyle, of guys need to be name, able to take HGH. Kyle, name, name as many they Barcelona players HGH. as you can. Well, I'm, I'm sorry? Name as Russ? many Barcelona players as you can. I'll give you six seconds. Go. Um, Lionel Messi, uh, and that guy with the crazy, the Spanish guy with the real curly hair. PK? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, no, no Neymar. They You're got Neymar. 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 No, no, dummy. Neymar got transferred to PSG. They Excuse circumvented me. financial fair play, Qatari money. What are you doing? That's no, okay. You're, right, not, so you're not. Yeah, whatever. Real quick. So it's this fun. doctor did oversee. Uh, Suarez, he bites people. Go ahead. Okay, I am familiar with him. He used to play for Liverpool. Thank you. Yes, he did. Look at you. There's your Dude, EPL I watched knowledge. The EPL. That's beautiful. Um, beautiful. So, uh, a couple of things here. The that that doctor did oversee Messi, who does have some sort of a condition. I forget what it is, but I think it, it requires him to take HGH, and like he's been clear, like got a separate clearance. Not that that has anything to do with anything. Um, however, so the Embiid thing. There's a couple of things to note up front, and people pointed this out to me the other day. Colangelo had then talked about his contract the other day and the fact they're trying to extend him and they have until I think October 16th 
and at that point, um, he's he's not going to get a max deal because he's too much of a risk. So people are wondering if if this sandbagging has something to do with the contract issue. I'm not exactly sure what the implication there is as to which side is doing this. You know, if you're, it seems really nefarious if Sixers doctors are not clearing him so the Sixers can get a better deal on a possible extension. Like that seems borderline like a suable offense. Um, and I, I doubt they would, I doubt they would be doing that. Can it be coming from Embiid's side? Could his agent, uh, I, you know, it's uh, rumbling seems to be fairly aggressive in, in these matters. Could Embiid's camp be intentionally keeping him out and wanting their own doctors to clear him until he's signed the new contract? Uh, maybe. Um, so he doesn't get re-hurt. But on the flip side, it seems like you'd want him out there playing and practicing and showing that he's healthy um, to justify signing the contract so I don't know if that I'm just not exactly sure which motivation would make the most sense there if it had to do with his contract the other thing is a lot of alarming stuff when I posted this the other day I was very surprised that of the amount of Twitter snark I got where people were like no he's fine this is just the calendula well like first of all they don't get the benefit of the doubt here as much as I want to give the Sixers as an organization the benefit of the doubt and I think they learned their lesson the hard way last year um you know, until until we get a forthcoming injury update that actually turns out to be true, uh, it I don't think they deserve the benefit of the doubt. I think the language used by Colangelo and Brown even was downright like um, doublespeak in in some ways. Now, could they just be waiting for this new doctor to see him and being overly cautious? Yes, and that's probably more than a fifty percent chance that's the case. However, I mean, these are like very, we've heard these type of phrases multiple times with Embiid now. And the fact that it was a, they announced after the meniscus surgery, which they pushed off for a month for reasons I'm unsure why, that it was, it turned out to be more, even more minor than they thought. And we're now six months out from what was supposed to be a super routine procedure. Um, and like, they can't even say for certain that yes, he's going to be able to play and minutes restriction is already coming up. And it's just... It's just weird. Like it's just weird, and and remember, it's concerning. It's concerning. He, the surgery that he went in for, like in the immediate aftermath of it, I think it was the Jackie McMullen article. He said that the the team doctors had thought that it was this like devastating meniscus tear, like the worst of all possible meniscus tears. And then, yeah, you're right. Afterwards, they just said it was you know it's very minor. But like again, this is the kind of thing that's happened with meniscus surgeries with guys on this team, including Okafor. Uh, I think Covington was out a little bit longer than he was supposed to be, but, like, Covington is back in the gym. He's healthy, whatever. Um, the the only positive that you can take out of this entire situation, like, the I, I think your idea of of there being a nefarious uh, uh, ulterior motive here is alarming. I think if, if the team is legitimately trying to gain leverage on I don't MD, think this is the case. I, I certainly hope not because you're taking the face of your franchise and legitimately one of the most recognizable faces and most marketable players in the NBA. And if you're going to start playing petty games so that you can save $5 million a year, then shame on you. I don't think that's what this is. The only positive I'm taking out of it is hearing that Ben Simmons is, is dominating the gym. And knowing that we've got faults. But this team goes where Joel Embiid takes them. Unless Ben Simmons is legitimately this transcendent talent that that people kind of have hinted he has the ability to reach potentially, uh, the team is going to go as Joel Embiid goes. I, I'm nervous. I'm nervous to an extent. But, like, if... I think this is the other thing that kind of bothers me. Is during the summer, I remember there was the issue between Brett Brown and Brian Colangelo in the media. Brett Brown was asked, I think it was like back in June, about how do you view this team going forward with minutes restrictions? With, with you know, uh, I think it was right after Fultz got hurt, so maybe it wasn't June. But it was uh, Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid were the, the topic. And Brown said that his thought, his hope, was that they would have all of these guys and none of them would be on limit rest- or minute restrictions. And then Brian Colangelo was asked about it, and I think it was Brian was the one who kind of said to pump the brakes on it a little bit that like it's still too early to say that there won't be minutes restrictions. That I might have had those two flopped, but like the the fact still remains. 
one of them was was big on going out of the way to say that there would be no minutes restrictions, and the other one said pump the brakes. Uh, I'm hoping Simmons doesn't have any minute restrictions. It doesn't sound like he will, and it sounds yeah. like Fultz has fully rebounded from his uh, his injury in summer league. So, if nothing else, it's still an exciting team. And if if God forbid they were to have Joel have to be on a on a minutes restriction to start the season. I don't think it's the end of the world. Like I still think that they have enough depth. That's why you went out and got Amir Johnson. Right, so, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and you've got Rashawn Holmes, who's an underrated big man. Like, yeah, I know. I don't, be need okay. hear, I don't need to hear the Sixers roster. Um, my thing is, is the fact that this story comes out, and then like the Sixers feel comfortable working on an extension with Embiid. Like I work at a company that is obsessed with Joel Embiid. The basketball What's community is obsessed with Joel Embiid. Company's Bleacher Report. Drake. Sip. The um, the thing about this Embiid, I, I understand how magnetic he is, and how funny he is, and I've seen the thirty-one games or however many games he played last year and his potential. But if they give him a huge contract. With all of this shit still looming, they're fucking crazy. Like, I'm I'm telling you right now that I feel like I'm in a relationship where I'm 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 realizing that it's it's like um the usual suspects where they begin to realize that Kevin Spacey's the killer. And and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, come on guys. Like I look, dude. I want him to succeed more than anything. Like I, I want Joel Embiid to be the guy. But dude, if they give him like a hundred million dollars for three years, when he's played like thirty-one games for us, and the body just doesn't look like it's able to support, do I want him running a free agency? Hell no, I don't want him doing that. But if there isn't, like some halfway acknowledgement on both sides that this has been an abject failure up to this point. It has been. Well, and, and dude, I'm just sitting here. Like if they give him like a three year, hundred million dollar contract or whatever out of their fucking mind. Crazy. Uh, well, so here, yeah, I agree with you partially. The one thing that's keeping me, you know, somewhat sane on the issue here is the fact that they immediately move the conversation and talk what sounds like at length about the contract after given the non-injury, non-update. Um, so I, f- I feel, you know, maybe maybe they are more confident than they are letting on because they don't want to mislead. You know, may- Colangelo may be hyper aware at the moment that if he comes out and says, yep, he's good to go, and then if the doctors say, well, let's just ease him into it a little, then everyone freaks out next week. So maybe maybe they are hedging. And the fact they're talking about the contract makes me feel somewhat better. Um, to your point, though, it's a calculated risk for both sides. Um, if you're the Sixers and you don't do something now and Embiid is fully healthy, um, you're, you're going to be paying him the max. If you're Embiid and you don't do something now and you're not fully healthy, you're, you, you may never obtain anything close to your career earnings. You're going to get your rookie contract you and one-year deals How until long? your legs eventually fall off when you're 29 years old. If we had to pay um, him the— hold on, So if we for had both to... sides, it makes sense to do something now. Is it a calculated risk for this? or a nece- I say a, not even calculated, but necessary. Like Embiid legit has the potential to be a historic— generational type of talent if and there's a huge question mark there if he's healthy the Sixers have an opportunity to lock a guy up like that uh at a substantial discount because of a few years worth of injuries the discount you know on one hand yes is it it risky and will it severely hurt them if if he turns out to be injured and and plays 31 games over the next three years yeah absolutely but if he even plays 60 games a year over the next three years it's 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 well worth it. Um, Kyle, so I, I feel like th- the consensus is that it makes sense for both sides to try and get something done now. I'm a firm believer right now that Kyle can't hear I us. Think. I don't think he can hear us. He cannot. Nope. No way. And no, I cannot hear you. So no. you may remain talking. Um, all right. So I don't even know if this is going to work. But my big thing was going to be, my question was going to be, how long do we have before 
it's you know time to make a decision about a so max contract. How much answer, time do we have the before that, the discount? Yeah. The answer to that is October sixteenth. Um, on October by October sixteenth, they can sign him to I guess what we would consider probably a discounted extension. But how much more time does he have left on that first contract? Uh, he has he becomes a restricted free agent in twenty eighteen. So if they don't sign him to an extension by October sixteenth. Um, that extension could fall between 113 million to 146 million. Um, and what what it, are they talking about for right now? What like if mean? they were to do sign something right now, what would that? What are the numbers that they could do there? Do we not I, know? I, I'm saying like I think that's that's oh. probably the range that they're looking at. Oh, then fuck that. I'm well. I don't know. Russ, because, here's the deal. Here's but listen, deal. if it goes if it goes to restricted free agency next year, and somebody does offer him like the max, then we'll offer him the max. But th- but then Adam, that's stupid because like what what's the difference between offering him a discounted contract by October, or waiting an entire year and then having somebody hamstring you with an uh, like additional because years Russ, or additional because money Russ, because I'd you're like worried a, about this I'd year. like another year to decide to see because what happens if he plays thirty games again? You're like that's crazy. Like, dude, I I want I trust the process more than anybody. Like, as much as anybody, I love Joel Embiid. I think he's incredible. But like, to be like, hey, I'm really afraid of somebody paying him 180 million, so I'm gonna give him 140 million, even though like, you know, his body seems to be breaking down. Like, what? I think that's uh, so where in in the, part of negotiations, like, I think that's part of where you get into the the argument that like. Maybe the Sixers, maybe the part that they're holding out on is that there's a non-guaranteed part of the contract, or like there's an early opt-out. Where like that would be key. What, yeah, and so like I think from I think from both both sides it makes sense to some extent. Like if they say, look, we'll go closer to the one forty-six number, as long as it's signed by October. Holy but we want it. But, but we want it. No, listen, no, no. That's not. Want, it's but, not a real number. Hold on. That's not a real number. Yes, it is. No, it, it's not. That the the a five-year mask extension would be worth. Uh, about 145 to 150 million at around 25 million dollars a year. I think where are you get no where are you getting that from? Because based on 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 Embiid specifically, his extension could be worth 113 to 146. Yes, I know, but they're not going to pay him the max now. The whole point of of doing something now is that you can get it at a little bit of a discount. Yeah, we're not talking about paying him the max. Okay, well, I know Adam but... wants to. Adam wants to next year. Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably looking at something around like probably like in the hundred million dollar or, or slightly less range, which is just still a no, lot of money, but it's a, it's a 50% discount on what you'd probably get him at. If he was fully healthy, you would, uh, you would be paying around 150 million a year. So I, I think that's the range we're talking about. And quite honestly, this is one of those situations where I wouldn't, every now and then you get a contract that comes along in sports where it just sort of floors you with how either extreme or relatively low it was. I have a feeling this could be one of those deals where, like, both sides agreed to something that you would be shocked to learn that one of those sides agreed to. Because there's such a huge, I, this isn't a normal situation. There's such a huge risk slash calculation going on on both ends. If you're the Sixers, are you know these are these are finance guys. I can get a fifty percent discount on a on one of the best players in the league. Is it a is it a risk? Yeah, but I mean, this is how this the guys who run this organization became successful by taking on those calculated risks. Uh, if you're Embiid, you're like, well, look, I, if if I get hurt in the first game this year, I'm never getting a big contract in my life. So do I? Is a hundred million dollars going to change my life? Like I I'm a dude from Africa, and yeah, I've been getting a few million dollars a year for the last few years. But a hundred million dollars changes your family for generations. So haggling between a hundred and holding out for one fifty is a is a huge risk on both sides. Never mind the fact that just from a financial standpoint, I'm guessing both these Sixers and Embiid have insurance on these deals. Now that doesn't solve the Sixers cap situation. But it does, um, you know, it does limit the risk in terms of actually like losing money for both sides. I, I would be certain they both have some level of insurance here. The other thing to keep in mind in all of this, whether or not you believe that he's worthy of of getting a max deal or getting a hundred plus million dollars on an extension, is at the same time the Sixers are probably in the midst of negotiating a similar contract, not at that kind of rate, obviously, but they're they're looking to probably. Uh, max out the amount of cap space that they have left and spend it on Covington this year. Um, 
it's because of the way that they can manipulate the CBA. I think they have $17 million in cap space. They could throw Covington the rest of that money, $17 million this year on his extension, and then drop the annual average salary that he'll make probably to $11 or $12 million, uh, for the next four or five years, um, which would then give them more flexibility when looking to re-sign guys like Embiid, Simmons, even Redick if they want to go past the uh, the year deal. So I think they have a lot of balls up in the air, and I think that that might in some way, shape, or form be part of the reason that nothing has been announced. But again, like they've got two guys on contracts that they that they want to renegotiate. So I'm not entirely surprised that no announcements have been made. And I think the Covington extension deadline is mid-November. And like we said, this, this Embiid one is mid-October. So we'll have a resolution by October 16th, one way or the other, on, on Joel Embiid. Uh, real quick, uh, on the notion of insurance, because I don't think this is something fans think a lot about. I'm just doing a quick search here. In 2014, Embiid had uh, insurance. I believe it was Embiid. Yes. Uh, and he had a million-dollar insurance 2014 had a million dollar insurance policy for himself before ever even getting on an NBA roster. So my guess is with the success he's had in 31 games, he has a rather substantial policy. It's also worth noting that the Sixers uh, did not get insurance uh, relief the first time around because his foot injury was considered to be pre-existing before they drafted him. Um, so they actually technically had to financially foot the bill here. Um, point is, there that is a consideration for both sides here, um, where the biggest problem is the salary cap. There's no such thing as insurance on salary cap relief. Someone else might pay it for you, but it could still limit you in terms of roster construction. Um, Moving on, Adam, your point about Ben Simmons earlier, which I think every conversation about the Sixers, people just seem to gloss over Ben Simmons. We want to talk about Fultz this summer, and now we're talking about Embiid, and, and Simmons always seems to fall somewhere in the middle. I'm like our most bullish on him, and I th- I think I have been since the day they drafted him. Like Of all these guys, he arguably was the biggest player coming into the draft over the last four or five years and the fact that he didn't play last year and the fact that he's not super active on social media and he's kind of a quiet guy like he has fallen into the background but we're talking about like a 611 ball handling forward who by all accounts is dominating the gym and has had a year to work on his one weakness which is the shot um I feel like whether or not Embiid ever becomes healthy and certainly him and Simmons make a potential dynasty level team Ben Simmons alone could turn out to be a player that is one of the top five elite players in the league I don't even think it's a stretch to say that so I I'm for one I'm like super excited to see Ben Simmons in an actual NBA game for sure yeah there's I, I don't think there's any debate that was a great response for us well, no, because like I, I already yeah. said about about him dominating the gym. Like I, I don't think there's anything really else to to add to it. And you didn't jump back in. By the way, Adam, it freaks me out as we're recording this that you misspelled your last name and your left Keo today. Yeah, I'm noticing that too. It's weird. It is. It's a little bit strange. Is this your alter ego? Did you grow a mustache? Are you starting to button the top button like uh, like Sims did on Philly Sports Talk yesterday? These are all questions I have. Uh, no, I was pounding the keyboard because, man, I was super pumped to join you guys this morning. You know, hey, really, I mean? really quickly, since since we're super pumped, can we just just have a moment to be a little bit excited for the Phillies future? They won. Well, three I want to of- say this. I want to say this really quick before we get into that. My dad, because I'm at home today in the Philadelphia area and my dad goes, you said something a few months ago, Adam. And uh, man, I, it's feeling good right now. I said, what's that? He goes. You said that we had officially reached rock bottom, and now everything is trending up. And he's like, you know, I thought about it. Sixers look good. Phillies are looking good. Flyers make more sense. Carson Wentz is great for the Eagles. I believe that we genuinely are. We've, we hit rock bottom, I would say, last somewhere in the middle of last year. And all of the teams are trending up right now. And it is awesome. And as you were going to say, Russ, for the Phillies to take three or four for the Dodgers and to do it mainly with their young core, I mean, it's freaking amazing. It really is. And the nice thing is that, once again, this is now putting us in a position where going into the offseason, they have some decisions to make. 
J.P. Crawford is playing an elite third base. Um, the potential for him to start there over Michael Franco is large, and as we've outlined in the podcast before, Tommy Joseph is crap. And Kyle himself had even said that he would rather see the Phillies long-term stick with Michael Franco than Tommy Joseph. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year. Will Reese be in the outfield? Will Franco be at first? Will Crawford be at third? Will they call up Scott Kingery, who won the minor league baseball uh, gold glove award, which is pretty awesome. So they've got another guy who's a solid defensive player. Are they going to look to move Galvis to the outfield? Is Hernandez going to move to the outfield? Uh, it, there are some interesting decisions that the Phillies are going to have to make, but, uh, seeing the young kids lead this team to victories over the best team in baseball, they still, even after losing three of four, <coughs> have the best record in baseball. They're 97 and 56, they being the Dodgers. Um, it, it is very interesting time for the Phillies, but again, the number one thing they need more than anything on this planet is pitching. They need a, a rotation. If they have it, the future is bright for them. Um, and actually, on that lovely note, I've got to go. Um, I'm why? Throw... Because it's time to go, Adam. Look at the clock. Yeah, but why do you have to go? I have to go educate the future of the nation. Yeah, but I thought, like, you know, it's Rosh Hashanah and stuff, so you could be like, oh, Lahayim can't go. Nope. Man, you gotta learn how to use those holidays to your advantage, man. I I can't though. Let me because, teach the teacher. Know, but I'm first not... rule is you go into school on the first day and they say, "Hey, Russ," and you say, "Assalamualaikum." <laughs> no, you say "Assalamualaikum," and they go, "I don't know what that is." And you go, "Exactly." So you go in there and you tell them that you are actually universal unitary. You I don't remember how to say it. So but you want me? You want me? You, to I want about... you to say that you celebrate every holiday. Ah, okay. Okay, got it. That way when you go in, and then you can start making up holidays. And then then all of a sudden, they don't know when you're coming in. And that's what you want. Yeah, you want know. it to be a pleasant surprise that. when Russell brings the joy. Oh, I got it. So that's, are you off, Adam, for Rosh Hashanah? I don't work Fridays during the NFL season. Ah. Because I have to, I have to oh, work Sundays. This guy, big big time left guy. I thought that was just a Wait, one day holiday. Area, Wasn't that yesterday? And, and none of us have 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 ever met Adam, and he's in the area. There's yeah, been I'm, no I'm, mention. I'm leaving after I get breakfast with my grandma. I'm going back to New York. That's very sweet of you. All right, guys, Thanks, I have to bro. go. Can I just throw in really quick uh, prediction for this weekend? I think the Eagles. Um, I think they wallop the uh, the Giants pretty substantially. Um, I'm gonna go with like 42 to 24. Mm. Cool. Mm-mm. And I and I don't actually know if it'll happen. I've been wrong with every prediction so far. Actually, no, I was right that they would lose last week, but everybody was right about that. Um, I'd love to see a Carson Wentz spectacular, uh, Legarrette Blunt. I don't know, just plowing over guys. It's not going to happen. They're probably going to lose like twenty-four to twenty-one, but but let's go with forty-two twenty-four because it's uh, it's the inverse of of each other. Anyway. Uh, if the Eagles defensive line doesn't have at least five sacks in this game, I'm going to be disgusted. I'll be very angry. I'll be salty on Monday. What's the lesson plan today, Russ? A lot, man. A lot of stuff going on. Actually, Worksheets? No, I think I think there's I think there's a quiz in some classes today. That'll be fun. What anyway, an asshole. I I know. You're going to give I these know. kids a quiz. What did they ever do to you? It was supposed to be it was supposed to be on Wednesday Friday? and then well, listen, it was a Friday quiz and then, no, an it was supposed to be on Wednesday and then there was Rosh Hashanah. And the kids were off, and I wasn't. And so I said, I'll give you an extra couple days. So actually, I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice person. Because then if – here's the problem. If you postpone it to Friday, and then you say, oh, you're such a jerk because it's a Friday quiz, then you have to move it to Monday. And then it's like, oh, I'm coming off the weekend. I was watching the Eagles, you know, destroy the Giants. And then it's like, oh, now you got to wait till Tuesday. Now you've wasted two entire days. That's just not happening. Probably do some know. basketball All your kids sound like underdog and Keith Pompey? No, I, that wasn't the kids. That was you guys. Oh, Sorry, got it. I, well, you know, going to go uh, for a quiz, and we're going to go uh, play, and it's going to be great. You know, actually, Droopy Dog and Charlie Manuel aren't that far off from each other, if you think about it. Just a little southern twang. Fair. Bye, Russ. Have a great weekend, guys. Stand on the listen. desks and yell at them today, Russ. Really give them the goods. Um, and Russ is gone. <laughs> Adam, uh, two things on Russ. Um, one, now that he's gone um, – one, th- th- this is this is what separates uh, uh, the men from the Russ. Uh, he's predicting a an over under in the Eagles game of just doing the math off the top of my head of sixty eight. Um, 
A simple look at the lines, which are oh so telling, has the over-under at the game set at a super low 43.5 with the Eagles as a six-point favorite. The Giants have an implied score of 18.75 points, which is uh, just a quick Russ eyeball is still here. here. Russ is still here, and he's still commenting. He wrote 66, you idiot. 60, well, excuse me. I didn't, I didn't prepare for Russ. Russ, just stay on the podcast. Uh, they are the third lowest. Russ quiz. They're the third lowest implied total. The Jaguars have 18 points. The Bengals have 17-something, uh, and the Giants are 18.75 against the Eagles. D. They're not putting up 24 points, and the Eagles are are not putting up 42 points. The Giants' D is, I think, good enough to uh, limit that. I mean, right now the implied score is 24 to 18. So, um, it's again, simple look at the line here, Russ, and you could see that this is not going to be a high-scoring affair. Um that's all. I, that's all I got on that. Oh, the other thing is, is the is Rosh Hashanah the reason kids have been riding their scooters all over the neighborhood the last few days, and my dog's been freaking out? Is that what? Like, uh, are people off for this? Probably. I like that you've become the uh, person neighborhood that's like, is there a reason there are children in my neighborhood scaring my dog? Dude, it, uh, uh, first, first of all, I'm, I'm not an old Jewish man, but you're, I you're do, not Bernie Sanders in your neighborhood. I do think that uh, I've become. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I'm old. Because working from home, and now I sit in the front of the house. I my old house. I was in the like back upstairs. Now I sit downstairs in the front, so I see everything. Um, and when I see the kids going by on scooters, it's like only a matter of time before my dog attempts to go through the wall at them. Um, and I was like literally walking around my house the other day, saying to my wife, "I was like, why are those kids go to school?" Go to school. So it is Rosh Hashanah. I thought Rosh Hashanah was like a one-day thing. How come they're off for two days? It's So Rosh Hashanah is New Year's in the uh, Jewish calendar. Okay. So it's kind of like New Year's where like you're off for New Year's Eve and you're off for New Year's Day. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I, liked, I do like, though, that you're like... <laughs> the millionaires and billionaires don't have to go to school with your scooters. Um, all right, so what is your what's your breakdown of the game? What how do you see it playing out and what is your score prediction for the Eagles Giants? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, the Giants have looked terrible. Um I I you know, they're probably bad. I don't know if they're as bad as everyone thinks. Um the Eagles have looked quite good actually. So I think the Eagles win. I think the six-point line is a good one. So I'm just going to fall this week, like, right along the line. I know that's not, like, a ballsy call. But I'll go, like, uh, I'm going to do the weird Doug Peterson point thing again. So I'll go 25, se- actually call it 23 to 18. I'll say the Giants cover. It's a six-point line at the moment. I'll go 23-18. Um, I mean, the Eagles are just better. Their, their defense is going to give Eli Fitz uh, the first home game in Philly. Like, e- Eli... It's, it's, it's going to be another scared Eli game. Uh, I just don't think the Eagles are going to put up that many points. I think the Giants' D is better than people give them credit for, and everyone's just talking about how bad their line is and how bad Eli has looked. But um, defensively, they're respectable enough to stop a inconsistent Eagles offense. Okay. I, don't, I have a fear, Kyle, and that fear is that people are going to really start to hate me. Okay. Um. Are you going to declare again that you're rooting for the Giants or something? I'm not. I'm, here's the deal. I'm definitely not rooting for the motherfucking Giants. Like, that ain't a thing. Um, but in terms of how I see this game playing out, I think this game is even lower scoring than the line indicates. I think that the Eagles, again, their D-line is dominant. Like, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Vinnie Curry, whoever is outside of Eric Flowers on the left needs to have a multiple sack day, whether that Derek Barnett on the second line or Chris Long, but I think they will dominate. I don't think the Giants get a running game going, um, and I think the Eagles' defense overall plays really, really well. No surprise. I think this is by far the Eagles' worst offensive performance. I think this is the Giants' defense, which I think if you really look at the first two games – they held the Cowboys to 20 points, and uh, they really didn't score that much. It was really the Giants' offense that sucked. In the Lions game on Monday night, the Lions really only scored 17 points because seven of that came from a punt return, and Matt Stafford made a few really good plays early. I think that this Giants' defense, because the Eagles don't have a running game either, 
I have a feeling that Carson Wentz is running for his life. But instead of the last two games where he's had some really good plays come out of it, I think this is where the bad plays come. Because I think that the the Giants' corners match up perfectly with the Eagles' receivers. Just Janoris Jenkins on Alshon, uh, Rogers Cromartie on Torrey Smith. Like I just think it matches up perfectly. I think Landon Collins is everywhere. Um, and I think also the fact that Isaac Samalo is being benched, and I know that everyone's calling for it. That Eagles offensive line is going to really start becoming an issue. I think it's the only reason it's not a huge issue right now is because Carson Wentz is saving everybody's ass on every play. The The fear that I have is, while I do think the Eagles defense is going to be all over Eli, Ben McAdoo is going to do a three-step three step drop offense, really quick releases. And I think with how bad our secondary is, the Giants receivers are going to be able to quickly win, not 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 deep, but like just able to move the ball on some quick slants and all that stuff because I think that the Giants receivers will be a lot better than the Eagles cornerbacks. I think the Eagles are going to lose this game, and it's going to really suck. I think it's going to be 19-17. I think it's Ew. going to be something like like – eke it out points, field goal fest, mid to high teens, maybe whoever reaches 20 first wins. Um, And I think this is where I think um, I know the Eagles just lost, but I do think there is a little bit of a desperation here for the Giants. And I just have the fear that the Giants defense overall is better than the Eagles defense where I do think that the Eagles have been fantastic lately on the D-line. I just, I think this is the game where Carson Wentz isn't able to be Superman again, and I'm just doing some self-scouting of the Eagles, and I go, okay, they got that last touchdown against the Chiefs to make it look a lot closer than it was. They got that fumble return against the Redskins to separate it further than it actually was. Um, and the thing that really scares me is just watching the film with Sims. He kept going, Adam, I don't get it. These teams are all over the passing concepts for the Eagles in both games. They knew what the Eagles were going to do. The inventory of offense for Doug Peterson. There's not a lot of creative plays. It's the same thing that we've been seeing. And that's my fear. I'm rooting for the Eagles hardcore. I will never root for the Giants. Hell to the no. But I do believe pretty convincingly that this is going to be a bad one for the Eagles. That's my that's my breakdown. I don't want to say it. I hate the Giants. I love the Eagles. But it makes me really afraid. And I think six points in an NFC East matchup is crazy. If anything, I could see the Eagles winning by three. Maybe they're on the other side. But... I don't see either of these teams winning by six. I don't think either of the offenses are good enough to win by six. Neither of them have a running game or a good offensive line. When you're describing the short three-step drop, I'm just envisioning the Odell Beckham slant over the middle that he takes 60 yards to the house. That's the the scary part. Uh, I was all over Tyreek Hill in fantasy last week, and perhaps foolishly I didn't think the Eagles' corners could stick with him. But with the line being as good as it is, you know, they really didn't get a chance to – Alex Smith didn't get a chance to step back and hit him for a 40-plus yard bomb. They had one throw, but then he overthrew him a little bit in the end zone. It was actually defended fairly well. I, I forget if it was Mills. I can't remember who was on him at that point. Beckham's the opposite type of receiver where he could catch that short – five-yard pass and then just run by everybody if his ankle is healthy. Uh, I I don't disagree with your assessment. I think the Eagles – I think the Giants have looked so bad. Um, And the Eagles' corners have actually looked pretty decent. Again, let's see see how they do against uh, Beckham and the Giants' receiving core. Uh, I just think the Eagles are better and they're able to win the game, but I, it's not going to be the blowout. Everybody is expecting. No, and I don't think so. No. I, so I, I agree with your assessment in general. I still think. The yeah. Game, though. Oh, and you know what? Like I definitely think uh, this happens to me a little bit. If I was to self scout myself and see where my issues are in predicting games. And one of them is when I see a line and I know that the line is too big, 
sometimes I swing the other way and I go, Eagles by six. That line should have been Eagles by three. Giants can cover six. Giants could win. So maybe I'm going a little bit further in the direction, but I could, I think it's just going to be high teens, very low 20s, and one other team in the tweens, teens, and I could see the Eagles easily winning that. Look, the Eagles have the better quarterback. They have the better offensive line. They have, if Odell's hurt, the better collection of wide receivers and tight end. Um, defensive line is really close just because Olivier Vernon and JPP and some of the other guys they have there are phenomenal, and I think I don't think enough people know about them. Uh, secondary definitely goes to the Giants. And then, you know what? Like, I'm just going to put this out there. Special teams is freaking huge, and I don't know about this Eagles kicker yet. Uh, and he missed a really big kick at the end of the first half last week. Uh, he did get an onside kick, which was amazing. But, you know, I just, I worry, really important NFC East close game, and we have a kicker that's been on the roster for like nine days. So that's just something that I think about. And in these matchups where I think it could be a field goal fest, that scares me. Why do I feel like I'm going to come back to this audio uh, and excerpt you talking about the kicker on Monday? I just, I have this feeling in my bones. Because I'm really good at this shit. Um, but there I'm is, just kidding. I'm actually not that good at this shit. There is a Browns Colts game this week. Like, can we just light that stadium on fire? Well, so what's funny is, is I make Sims each week when we do our game picks do a segment called Guaranteed to Lose, which I sell it as if you're out there and you're doing your um, like survivor pool. Here are the five teams that Sims is most confident in that are going to lose. And he was like, dude, I really don't want to do it this week. And I was like, why? He's like, it's really hard. And I was like, is it? And I started looking, and I was like, why is this so hard? He goes, because I don't have the Browns or the Colts to pick against because they're playing each other, and I'm not touching that freaking game. Yeah, he, he like like when we broke down that game, I was like, I'm going to go Browns. He's like, I'm going to go Colts. And I was like, I have no reason. And Sims goes, neither do I. It's just, I don't really care about that game. I have no idea what's going to happen. But watch that end up being like the game of the week. Like it comes down like a Hail Mary from Deshaun Kaiser or something like that. Yeah, it very well, maybe, just because both teams are so inept that you only need one big play at the end to declare it a good game. But God, my God, that's like, I know you're not big on like calling for guys' careers to be over, but I can't imagine a worse coach in the league. Like as, as much as we shit on Doug, like I don't I don't think I've ever seen a worse coach than Chuck Pagano. That's all. That's, that's I, get, I didn't get to them. I know I didn't get to the mute button quick enough. Uh, Chuck, um, it's funny. I've actually, I've heard some stuff that this is a hundred percent his last year and not even on the Colts. I think he's just kind of fed up um, with everything that's going on. It's tough. I mean, that whole cold situation, uh, we, we don't have to get too deep into it, but to have a GM and Ryan Grigson that the head coach really strongly disliked and Grigson drafting guys for a team that he wanted to build, whereas Pagano wanted to build a different team, and Bruce Arians was the offensive coordinator, and then Chuck Pagano got cancer, and then then Arians left, and there was like buyer's remorse because people wanted to kind of have kept Arians. It's a, such a messy situation, but more importantly – they let Andrew Luck get absolutely destroyed for years and years and years. And that is my fear for Carson Wentz. They need to invest in this offensive line. It's not fun to invest in the offensive line. But Kyle, I'm telling you, I'm watching the Lions and Vikings have a really good start to the season because both teams invested money into paying for offensive tackles. And I'm watching the Giants having not paid money on tackles and Eli is getting just blown up. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, I don't trust Jason Peters that much anymore. Whatever's happening at left guard right now is not good. Uh, Kelsey, it's been sort of an issue for the last few years. The Eagles need to invest in the offensive line because I don't want another Andrew Luck to happen to Carson Wentz. That's a really good comparison there. I was trying to think of the guy who had his early, well, not even early, like his whole career ruined by bad line play and bad coaching. And, and Andrew Luck is probably the preeminent example of that. Like I, I'm not a Luck guy, and I, I think he, 
he always finds a way to shit the bed. And again, maybe you blame the line, you blame the coach, but um, luck has, I don't know, luck has never showed me the sort of um, intangible that we've seen even just from Carson Wentz last week at times. However, I think that's a really good, that's a really apt comparison. And I feel like yeah. Luck's career has been wasted on what could have been some very good Colts teams. And Surprise, surprise, his best season was when he had Bruce Arians as his offensive coordinator. I mean, this guy's played with Pep Hamilton, and Chudzinski's the guy now, and then he had no help, and, and they were they were calling all these plays. There was no structure. I said this on, on Simpson Lefko the other day that when I grew up, my biggest regret is that when I paid attention, to, well, not my biggest, but one of my regrets when it came to listening to music was I paid too much attention to the artist and not enough attention to the producer. And now, 15 years later, all of those producers, the Kanye's, the Pharrell's, all the guys that were making music for other people, they are the legends that lasted for a long time. And I really think that we evaluate quarterback play and head coaches like they're the ones making the decisions. And I wish more people paid attention to the offensive coordinators. Look, RG3 was great when Kyle Shanahan was making was designing a playbook for him. Matt Schaub was great in Houston when Kyle Shanahan was designing a playbook for him. And the thing is, is like Andrew Luck was great when he had Bruce Arians. It happens. Like the guys, like last night, it was 41 points for the Rams and 39 points for the 49ers. And surprise, surprise, it was Sean McVay versus Kyle Shanahan. There is talent when it comes to calling plays. And it's getting a good young offense, getting an offensive coordinator around a good young quarterback is super important and protecting that quarterback is super important. And I do think that, I don't know how much of it is is play calling for the Eagles or how much is Carson Wentz doing it all by himself, but I'm starting to feel like it's a lot more the latter than the former. That was, uh, that was a really good take. I don't I don't really have anything to add to that. Um, that was well done. I the only the only Thanks. point. The only point I wanted to make, uh, just spinning back real quick about Chuck Pagano, I don't know if you saw in week one where he quick snapped himself on a play where they should have been challenging. Did you? Oh yeah, week one, Marlon Mack. It was like a 30, 40 yard touchdown, and he ran up to the line of scrimmage to catch the Rams off guard when the kid clearly got in. But instead, they ended up getting a field goal on the one yard line because he rushed to catch them off guard. Yeah, ridiculous. Could you imagine if that happened here? Like the, I, I honestly, God, think the media would go in there and carry Doug Peterson out of the building if he made a decision like that. Yeah, my, you know what I was just thinking as you were saying that? What needs to happen for us to celebrate Doug Peterson? What kind of a play call or a game situation does he need to, to have happen for us to go, wow, that was great. I kind of feel like Doug is in a zero-sum game right now where anything that bad, if it's clock, if it's play calling, it all falls onto him. And I was just curious what you think needs to happen for us to celebrate him. Um, I don't know, short of <clears throat> winning a playoff game, if he's ever going to get celebrated to any extent. And then even after he wins that game, whatever the next playoff game they lose is, we'll probably blame it on him. Um, cause that's what we did with Andy for all those years. But I, I think he would need to win a playoff game to really solidify himself. I multiple, I would say regular season though, multiple game ending two minute drives in the span of like a month. Now Carson Wentz will get the credit for this, but like, I think it would have to be like multiple good play calling, team moving the ball down the field, um, no huddle offense, and the no huddle is something that always does come back to the coach because you know the quarterback is not typically not doing that on his own. I think that's what it would have to be. Like people felt that way after the Bears game last year, and then the Steelers game, and we were like, "Holy shit, we got our new Charlie Manuel!" Like everyone was down on this guy, and they're three and zero. And I remember uh, Doug Peterson was on. I forget whose podcast uh, last year, uh, Peter King's, one of those after the three and zero start during the bye week, and he was already doing his like media victory lap, which was uh, super quick uh, and and hasty, and probably probably shouldn't have done. But um, I remember th- listening to it, thinking, "Wow, man, like Doug's some genius." So you know, it's not that they can't do it, and just I don't think anyone is confident that they could actually. Uh, actually pull that off but 
I don't know. Yeah, for me, for Doug to be celebrated, it would take like a surprise onside kick or like a well-timed flea flicker, like something where it works and you go, what a great play call. But it's so funny, like if it doesn't work, you're like, man, Doug is Doug is reaching for straws, man. This isn't going to work. He's he's just in such a tough situation where it's so hard for anyone to think that he's good. By the way, I'm at my parents' house right now, and for the last like two minutes, I've been watching this like little spider climbing up and down the wall, and I just realized there's I'm not touching this thing. He is going to live there because I'm not killing spiders unless it's at my place. You know what I mean? Like that's that, that's not my job. I'm not doing that. I don't even kill spiders in my own house. I usually I usually farm that duty out to my wife. Um, I'm, Stop. I'm, so she'll go and kill them? Uh, on okay. If she, it, it's like a smelled it, dealt it situation. If you see it, you kill it. Like that's that's sort of uh, that's sort of how we roll. The other day there was a uh, large. Uh, she came home the other night and there was a large bee attached to her car, and I was like, yeah, it's got to be a beetle or something. But no, it was like a large hornet that like hooked itself to her car. She pulls in the garage, shuts the garage door. So now it's in the house. Um, she went out the next day in the garage, saw it, saw that it was like behind the back wheel of my car. And she's like, well, I'm not killing it. I'm like, well, I'm not killing it. So she ran out and put a red solo cup over it. So for the last week, there's been just a random red solo cup in our garage. And presumably we're just, we're just, um, you know, we're just squeezing out the bee there until he runs out of oxygen or whatever it is he needs it. He, she needs to survive, uh, not killing it. My dog went over and like nudged a cup the other day, and I was like, "Do not touch that." So there's a reasonable chance that cup will remain there throughout the winter, and just hope that the bee freezes and dies, and with our luck, it'll regenerate next spring. I I hope that you legitimately wait months, like six months, and then like come March, you're like, "Babe, it's time to look at the cup," and you lift the cup up, and it's and not there's there. Nothing there. Yeah. That's that's my that would be amazing. The thing was big enough where I actually considered whether or not it would just be able to fly with the cup on it. Like honest to God, it was that big, um, and it was behind. It was right behind my tire. So when I had to go out the other day, I I didn't want to run over it obviously and expose it to the elements. So I had to slide the cup. But like I put so much force down on that cup. So as I was sliding it, if I hit like a little pebble or something, it didn't come creeping out. So it's just to the left of my uh, where my back tire is. and uh, So the other day I was at my apartment and uh, my girlfriend's there. I look up in the corner of the apartment and I see like a bug and I get up and I go get closer. And it is a really big like millipede. And I kind of get closer. I'm like, yo, the front half of this body is huge. Like I was like, this thing is gross. And I was like, yo, I don't, I don't want, like, this isn't a bug that I can smash. Like, I got to grab it. Like, I feel like legitimately get a tissue and grab it. I was like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I was like, I was like, and I was like, this thing looks like it could jump. Like, I'm good. I was like, but I can't let it stay here because, like, I'm afraid it'll crawl in my mouth when I'm sleeping. So I get the 409 because I don't have bug spray, of course, (laughs) which I should. And I will go over. And I like, I get like a really good wide stance and I like put the left hand on the bottle, right hand on the trigger and I just drill it. And, or at least I think I'm going to, because I thought it was going to come out like a laser, but it came out as a mist and that was bad. So I'm misting this millipede and it just falls behind like where I have like a record player. So like it falls and I'm like, shit. And I'm kind of like pulling stuff away and I'm looking for it. And I'm like, it, it's here now. Like, I don't know. And um, I'm so afraid that like it's calling other millipedes and it's like, I've been attacked. We need to have a launch a counter offensive. There's nothing I'm, worse than when you miss the bug and it goes oh. missing like that. It's such a bad feeling because I, I've felt that way too before. You're like, oh shit. And now it's on. To so, me. yeah. So I go back to the couch and like, me and my girlfriend are having a conversation for like 20 minutes and the whole time I'm just looking around the apartment. Like I'm, I'm so uncomfortable. And that was in like the left, like I'll just going to make up a thing. It's in the left front corner of my apartment. For some reason I decide to look behind me, which would be the back right corner. The millipede fell in the left corner, walked on the ground, along the wall, scampered along the wall, went behind the couch 
<coughs> and was trying to get out of the apartment, like behind me. And I sprung up with the 409 and I just, I gave it a bath. Like I, but I was, you know, I was yelling. I was yelling like that. I was like running into Normandy. <laughs> I was like, good die, millipede scum. And I just, I'm so bad with bugs. Like I, I'm not good. Like I know there's guys out there that don't care. And that's like a man card thing. But dude, that's just not my, I can't do it. I don't like it. It's gross. How long have you been dating? I'm still, I'm watching the spider right now. It's awful. How long have you been dating your girlfriend? Because I feel like anytime under the six month window, you have to just like shrug those things off and then you can become like, like a full woman after six months. We've been officially dating for like three, four months. That's not long enough to like, show those uh, colors. I got to be honest. But like, but you know what? Like I've had, I've had good, like smash a bug into the wall with my hand moments. Okay. You know what I All mean? Right, so you have a little capital to spend there. Yeah. Like mosquitoes, whatever. It's spiders that I'm afraid I'm going to miss. And then I just don't want to, I don't need that, that fear. The millipede. Um, when I was in high school, there was one, I think it was high school. I was still at my parents' house. Uh, there was one crawling in the hallway. I was home alone and uh, large millipede crawling in the first floor hallway. So I go downstairs because I'm not, again, those things are the worst to squeeze because they're quick. And then if you don't get them fully in the tissue, they will climb around the tissue and go in hand direction, which is which is like the ultimate fear when you're killing a bug. Disgusting. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, so I went downstairs and got a ping pong paddle. And this thing wasn't moving. So I go up to it. And I just slice it right the fucking half, like right in the middle of it. I'm like, I'm just going to separate its body units and then grab it with the tissue. It's going to be dead. Well, I don't know if it's the paddle isn't sharp enough on the side because it's got like a, you know, think of like the iPhone 4, like that kind of sort of, it's a flat edge. It's not like an actual sharp edge. Always got to compare it to an Apple product. Apparently. Um, didn't kill it. It just squeezed the inside of it. So, like, all the innards got pushed to one side or the other. Still alive. The head, the the upper part, or whatever, whatever that is, is, like, tilting back from the wall. I swear to fucking God, it's hissing at me. Now, I don't know if that was just, like... What? I don't know if that was the gases. Ex- like, there was some sort of leak in the body, and it was just sort of, like, the matter escaping the body that was making a hissing sound. Or if the millipede was hissing at me... Or whatever it was, but it was it, it was it was hissing, and I was like fear. It was like regenerating its middle. It was weird, so I just I just let it go. But I'm with you. What do you mean you let it go? The worst. Yeah, I just let it go. I figure I wait till my dad gets home. So you just left a hissing half squished millipede, dude. It, like yeah, I mean, I my my old apartments, <laughs> my my old apartments. Like I would move out. Like there was there'd be like a dead. I remember one of the places I had a dead fly like in the window and I just like, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. I'll get it tomorrow. And I, I got it. I didn't get it until I moved. I, I assume whoever cleaned the apartment got it after I moved out. So I'm not a bug guy either. Man. All right. And this episode of Joel Embiid Eagles and Scared Men Killing Bugs is brought to you by, oh, wait, we don't have a sponsor yet. Hit up Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad to really impact your business by getting incredible conversations just like this one to support your brand. Wouldn't you agree, Kyle? Brought to you by the Orkin Man. Oh. Uh, real quick, real, real time update It's here. on the ground. Oh, and then I moved the chair and it flinched and stopped. Is that the spider? Dude, just leave the room. Um, Should I kill it or like, because or, everyone says spiders are good for your, your apartment or house. No, they're not. Kill it. All right, I'm going to kill it live. Give me a second. Oh, boy. Okay, I'm going to bring the microphone. Oh, but then I'm going to lose my headphones. Okay, hold on. Oh, shit. What was that? Oh, shit. Okay, hold on. I'm just going to drop the napkin on it and see what happens. Oh, got him. Smashed. You're going to need to to clean that up. That sounded bad. I'm going to tweet tweet the photo uh, so it's proof. Nice. Real-time update. And that is how you redeem your masculinity, podcast audience. Real-time update on Russ here. He's hedging. Um, he said somewhere, where the hell did he drop? The, oh, he now said 30 to 17. He has changed his prediction. I've never seen somebody who has the ability to just not commit to something the way Russ does. 
Like, I, I wonder if his wife feels this way because he he cannot stick with Ooh. anything. He has changed his prediction to thirty seventeen. Presumably, as, really, really after scary. listening to us explain why he was wrong. All right, I'm tweeting it to you right now. It's crumpled up like a ball now. This is great. All right, on that note, are we done? Yeah, we're done. All right, what was your prediction again? Twenty three eighteen. Twenty three eighteen minus, damn it, nineteen seventeen Giants. I don't even know how you get to nineteen, and then Chris, Doug Peterson up? will get you to nineteen. Yeah, and then uh, what was Russ's again? Forty two to twenty four slash. What was it? Thirty one seventeen. Yeah, he actually just picked all the numbers. He put he put he put it on every uh, number on the roulette wheel, not realizing that you lose eighteen percent of your money doing it that way. Man. All right. So everybody, I apologize for picking the Giants. That's just my opinion. I wouldn't I wouldn't lie to you. Uh, hopefully Embiid ends up being healthy uh, it, throughout your day. Why don't you throw in a little, you know, moment of silence Throw your good juju to Jojo's way. Um, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Kyle is at Crossing Broad. I am at Adam Lefko, L-E-F-K-O-E. And Russ is at Joy on Broad. Uh, let him know that he's kind of a, you know, kind of an asshole giving his kids a quiz on Friday. You know, that's kind of fucked up. Uh, love you guys very much. We'll be back on Monday. Hope you enjoy the Eagles game on Sunday and keep the conversation going on social media, Twitter, and leave us a five-star review on iTunes and we will read the comment for sheezy. All right, guys. See you in a few days. Love you. Bye.